Good morning. I am your host, Marsha A. Sullivan, and I would like to welcome you to another day of Hearts Knit Together in Christ Ministry. This is a day um, that I would like to acknowledge this Monday, September the 6th. I would like to acknowledge all of the workers in the U.S. We're celebrating Labor Day, and this is a time where we just take the time to rest from our labor. And um, I just want to say thank you so much for all of your commitment, your hard work and dedication. And even when you feel like you're not being rewarded, know that you are laboring not for yourselves, but for the Lord. So when you look at it in that sense, know that you may not receive all the glory here on earth, but the Lord has something greater than what you can receive here. And that's your greater reward in heaven. So may you continuously be blessed for your hard work from our ministry to you. We just want to say thank you and may you keep working. And so today I have a special, special topic that I want to share with you today. And it's coming from Genesis chapter 18. And we're going to start in the 17th verse, 17th verse, where this is entitled, how Abraham is able to intercede for Sodom. And Sodom is a city, is a place in which God has looked upon. And God is going to do something. He's preparing Abraham's heart because he's getting ready to do something in this city. But let's define what inter, to intercede means. That term intercede, it means to petition or to pray to the Lord about something. And this is a special gift that God has given Abraham. So in this text, we're going to see how Abraham is able to petition the Lord about something that really is concerning his heart, something that is bothering him because of what the Lord shares with Abraham. So if you would just come with me to chapter 18 in Genesis, we're going to go right to the the 17th verse where it says should I hide my plan from Abraham now this is what the Lord is saying should I hide my my plan from Abraham he starts off with a question in his heart and then the Lord asks for Abraham would certainly become a great and mighty nation and all the nations of the earth will be blessed through him now this was God promise so God has promised this to Abraham long ago in previous chapters. In verse 19, he says, I have singled him out so that he will direct his sons and their families to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. So God singled Abraham out because he wanted to use Abraham as a reminder like uh, the the example to be to his family so that if it says here in order so that he can keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just he says then I will do for Abraham all that I promised so in the 20 verse we see so the Lord told Abraham I have heard a great cry from Sodom and Gomorrah because their sin is so flagrant I am going down to see if their actions are as wicked as I have heard it. 
If not, I want to know. So the Lord is wanting to know what is going on in this city called Sodom. I'm going, God is saying I'm getting ready to send some people out there to examine it because I want to know that if this is really going on, I'm getting ready to do something about it. So in verse 22, we see it says that the other man turned and headed towards Sodom, but the Lord remained with Abraham. Abraham approached him and said, now let's pause right there because what does it mean to approach the Lord? Notice that if you don't have a relationship with the Lord, you will never really want to approach him, you know. But if you have a relationship, an intimate relationship with the Lord, you know how to approach the Lord. You're not afraid. You're not fearful. You're not, you know, worried. You're not in dismay or denial. But you know how to really approach the Lord in prayer with confidence because you have a relationship with him. And this is this is why Abraham was able to intercede and approach the Lord because he had a genuine relationship, an authentic relationship with the Lord. And so in this verse, it says, Abraham approached him and said, will you sweep away both righteous and the wicked? Suppose you find 50 righteous people living there in the city. Now, remember, we're talking about Sodom. Will you sweep it away and not spare it for their sakes? Surely you wouldn't do such a thing, destroying the righteous along with the wicked. So in Abraham's approach, he's wanting to know, God, are you really going to wipe away the righteous people along with the wicked? Will you really do that? And so he goes on to say, why you would be treating the righteous and the wicked exactly the same. Surely you wouldn't do that. Should not the judge of all of the earth do what is right? So in other words, Abraham is challenging the Lord. He's saying, wait a minute, Lord, you are righteous. You are holy. You always do what's right. Even when we don't do what's right. But are you really going to destroy the righteous with the wickedest? with the wicked so Abraham is trying to get God to draw a line of separation between the two and for those of you who don't know there is a difference between the righteous and the wicked and we're going to see what difference is it between the two and so in 26 and the Lord replied if I find 50 righteous people in Sodom I will spare the entire city for their sake. Then Abraham spoke again. Since I have begun, let me speak further to my Lord, even though I am but dust and ashes. Abraham said, look, I know I'm just made of dust and ashes. But Lord, if it's okay, can I just speak one more time? He's acknowledging God as righteous and holy. And he's saying, Lord, look, I don't know. I don't want to go against you. But if I can just have one more thing to say can I say it so in 26 going to 27 then Abraham spoke again he said since I have begun let me speak further to my Lord 
Even though I am but dust and ashes, suppose there are only 45 righteous people rather than 50. Will you destroy the whole city for the lack of five? And the Lord said, I will not destroy it if I find 45 righteous people there. Then Abraham pressed his request. Abraham said, okay, Lord, I know you just said this, but can I just ask you and go a little bit further? He says this. He says, suppose there are only 40. And the Lord replied, I will not destroy it for the sake of of 40. In verse 30, Abraham goes on again and he says, please don't be angry, my Lord. So he knows that really the Lord can get angry, angry with him for doubting. But because of their relationship, he's not asking in a mist, but he's asking out of a genuine heart. He wants to know. And anybody that have a relationship with their heavenly father knows that you can go to your father and pray and petition him. Unlike, it's different from having a religion. Religion tells you you can't go and ask the Lord or question him, but that's a lie from the pits of hell. But when you really, really have an a genuine heart-to-heart open relationship with the Lord, you can go to your father with confidence, with boldness, and you can surely petition him. And this is exactly what Abraham is doing. So Abraham said in verse 30, please don't be angry, my Lord. Abraham pleaded, let me speak. Suppose only 30 righteous people are found. And the Lord replied, I will not destroy it if I find 30. Then Abraham said, since I have dared to speak to the Lord, let me continue. Suppose only 20. And notice Abraham continues this same conversation with the Lord. And in 32, this is what he said. He said, finally, Abraham said, Lord, please don't be angry with me if I speak one more time. Suppose only 10 are found. So he goes from 50 all the way down to the number 10. And this is what the Lord replies in uh, verse 33 of chapter 18. He says, when the Lord had finished his conversation with Abraham, he went on his way and Abraham returned to his tent. So they had this conversation. The Lord is reassuring him, look, look, because of my word and because of the righteousness of the people, I'm not going to destroy them. I'm going to save the righteous, but the wicked, I'm going to destroy them. And this is this is how you know, because if we go on to verse 19, the title says Sodom and Gomorrah destroyed. Now, remember how God said he was going to 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 go and to see if the outcry, everything that he was uh, heard what was going on if that is true he said if not I want to know remember God was saying I'm going down to see if their actions are as wicked as I have heard so the Lord is going down but he doesn't physically go down what the Lord do is we see in 19 it says that evening two angels came to the entrance of the city of Sodom so the Lord sent his two angels. He says, it says, Lot was sitting there 
And when he saw them, he stood up to meet them. Then he welcomed them and bowed with his face to the ground. Now, I'm not sure if Lot realized that these was angels, but he bowed down in the presence of holiness because he referenced them. He referenced the holiness of God upon them. And he says, my Lord, he said, come to my home to wash your feet and be my guest for the night. You may then get up early in the morning and be on your way again. So uh, Lot has welcomed these angels into his home to fellowship, but they reply, oh no, we'll just spend the night out here in the city square. But Lot insisted so that last, so at last they went home with him. Lot prepared a feast for them, complete with fresh bread made without yeast, and they ate. Okay, so he has fed them. And in verses four, it says, but before they retired from the night, before they were getting ready to wrap everything up, it says, all the men of Sodom, young and old, came from all over the city and surrounded the house. Why do you think these people surrounded the house? Take a moment and reflect why. Okay, we're going to find out. Let's go to verse 5. So it says, they shouted to Lot. Why are the men who came to spend the night with you bring them out to, to us so we can have sex with them? So let me repeat what it says. So they shouted to Lot. Where are the men who came to spend the night with you? Bring them out to us so we can have sex with them. So this is the reason why they surrounded his house. They wanted to have sex with the men. They didn't even want the women, but they wanted to have sex only with the men. And in the eyes of the Lord, this was considered wickedness. It was considered wickedness back then, men having sex with men. And it's also considered wickedness to the Lord today. And why is that so? Because the Lord's word never changes. His word remains the same for now and forever. And women having sex with women, it doesn't state that here in this particular verse, but it's wickedness before the Lord. But we're going to stick to what this verse says. Now, these are not my words. This is what's coming from the word of the Lord. It says, bring them out to us so we can have sex with them. So Lot stepped aside to talk to them, shutting the door behind him. And Lot says these words in verse 7 of chapter 19. Please, my brothers, he begged, don't do such a wicked thing. Lot knew that this was wicked, but the city in which he lived, these things were happening and taking place. And so Lot is trying to, you know, make peace with them. He says, look, I have two virgin daughters, verse 18. Let me bring them out to you and you can do with them as you as you wish. But please leave these men alone for they are my guests and are under my protection. So Lot is saying, look, they under my protection. So if anything happens to them, I'm going to be at fault because they under my roof. Stand back, they shouted. This fellow came to town as an outsider. 
Now, these people are retaliating. People in the town who lived in Sodom, they're getting angry with Lot. They're saying, look, first of all, Lot, you came into our city. You came into our town. You was an outsider. And now he's acting like our judge. So who made you judge, Lot? Who made you the Lord over us? Now they're saying in verses 9, we'll treat you far worse than other than those other men. And they lunge toward Lot to break down the door. So they were getting ready to force themselves in to attack and do what they wanted to do. But how many of you know that as you read the text, they were not going to do what they thought they were going to do because the angels surrounded Lot's house because obviously he was found as a righteous man before the Lord somewhere in his heart. But in verse 10, it says, but the two angels reached out, pulled Lot into the house and blotted the door. Then they blinded all the men, young and old, who were at the door of the house. So they gave up trying to get inside. Where the presence of the Lord is, the enemy cannot attack, not even if he wanted to. He can't get to God's anointed, and he cannot get to God's people when God's hands are upon his children's life. In verses 12, it says, Meanwhile, the angels questioned Lot. Do you have any other relatives here in the city? They asked, get them out of this place. Your sons-in-laws, sons, daughters, or any anyone else. For we are about to destroy this city completely. So they're warning Lot, get out, get out. They're warning Lot with urgency. Get your family, get everything, get your people. Not he didn't they didn't say get your clothing, get your house, they didn't say get none of the material possessions, but he said the angel said, Get your family. And he's asking him, Do you have any more relatives? So in verses 13 it says, The outcry against the place is so great, it has reached the Lord, and he has sent us to destroy it. So this outcry was great before the Lord. The angels went down to see if it was really so. And in verses 10, we just saw that this was true when the men came to attack the house of Lot because the angels blinded them. So it was true. And so in verses 14 says, so Lot rushed out to tell his daughter's fiancés, quick, get out of the city. The Lord is about to destroy how many of you actually know that when the Lord is about to destroy something, if you really got a relationship with the Lord, he's going to warn you before the government warns you. He's going to speak to you. He's going to prompt your spirit, giving you a nudge to say, it's time to leave this place. It's time for you to go forth. It's time for you to move somewhere else. And woe to those who don't listen to the word or to the spirit of the Lord, uh, because we can see that in verses 14, the fiancés did not listen because this is their response. But the young man thought he was only joking. When God says to do something, I mean, really, when God speaks to our heart, we cannot joke. We cannot play with the Lord because he's serious, because he wants to save our lives. And at dawn the next morning, the angels became insistent. They said, hurry, they said to Lot 
take your wife and your two daughters who are here. Get out right now or you will be swept away in the destruction of the city. When Lot still hesitated, the angel seized his hand and the hands of his wife and two daughters and rushed them to safety outside the city, for the Lord was merciful. When they were safely out of the city, one of the angels ordered, Run for your lives and don't look back or stop anywhere in the valley. Escape to the mountains or you will be swept away. Now, the angels and God were merciful to Lot. He's saying, don't look back. But somebody did look back. Wife Lot, wife's, I'm sorry, Lot's wife looked back. And in verse 21, we're going to skip, skip. So after Lot is pleading with the angels saying, look, don't, don't, I can't go to the mountains. There's disaster is going to catch up to me there. He says, but send me somewhere else. Please let me go to this city so in verses um in verses 18 we see that lot he says please let me go there instead do do you see how small it is then my life will be saved so lot just wanted to go to a smaller place a small city verse 21 he says all right the angel said i will grant your request i will not destroy the little village but hurry escape to it for I can do nothing until you arrive there. This explains why that village was known as Zora, which means little place. So in verse 23, we see it says, Lot reached a village just as the sun was rising over the horizon. Then the Lord rained rain down fire and burning sulfur from the sky on Sodom and Gomorrah. That was the Lord's judgment. He utterly destroyed them along with other cities and villages of the plain, wiping out all the people and every bit of vegetation. But Lot's wife looked back as she was following behind him, and she turned into a pillar of salt. Abraham got up early that morning and hurried out to the place where he had stood in the Lord's presence. He looked out across the plain towards Sodom and Gomorrah, and he watched as columns of smoke rose from the cities like smoke from a furnace. But God had listened. Now this is the this is my favorite part about this 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 uh chapter in verse 19 in closing to summarize how powerful interceding before the Lord is and approaching the Lord is with confidence and boldness. In verse 29, it closes, it says, But God had listened to Abraham's request and kept Lot safe, removing him from the disaster that engulfed the city of the plain. Praise the Lord. Somebody say, Praise the Lord for sparing not only my life, but the lives of my loved ones, friends, and family. It was because of Abraham's prayer to the Lord his supplications before the Lord, that the Lord was able to listen to Abraham's request and save the life of Lot, his family, and his children. And even though God did just what he said, he destroyed the wicked city called Sodom and Gomorrah. But what the Lord did not do in keeping his promise was that he did not destroy the righteous. And that is something that God will never do 
To those who fear and love the Lord, the Lord will never destroy the righteous. But to the wicked, the Lord will destroy without having mercy. And the only way the wicked can be saved is if they truly repent, turn from their sins, and have a a heart of transformation, yielding and giving their lives to the Lord. So as we close out today, I want to pray because I believe that where we are right now, God is really telling us to examine our hearts before him. He's telling us and commanding us to examine our ways, to examine our behavior, see if there's any righteousness or unrighteousness found in our heart. Because if what is in our heart doesn't align to what God's word, we need to examine deeply so that we can look like the heart of Christ and be like him. And that when God is sending whatever he wants to send in the land, before it really comes, the righteous, as we've seen in the text, shall be saved. So, Father God, we cry out to you today, Lord. We believe in your word, God, that just as Abraham petitioned you in prayer, God, believing, God, that you will not judge the righteous in the same way as you judge the unrighteous who were labeled as the wicked father God Lord you destroy a whole entire city God because they did not fear nor adhere to your word or fear your holy name Lord I pray God for you to humble us as we examine our hearts before you God God save our souls deliver us from any situations that we may be in, God, that is not pleasing to you, God. Deliver our families, deliver our friends, deliver our loved ones, God. God, you even deliver your people within the church, the body of Christ, those who have once walked so holy with you and have now found themselves backsliding, backsliding against you, God. God, those who have walked with you in the presence of holiness, but have been deceived by the lies of the enemy, God. Lord, I pray today for you to have mercy upon all your people, including myself, Father God. Have mercy upon us, O God. Humble our hearts, God, as we cry out to you, O Father God. As we submit ourselves to you, God, I pray, God, for you to bring salvation upon the homes of our loved ones. And God, that you would spare their lives for your glory. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Thank you again for listening to Hearts Knit Together in Christ. I love you, and I can't wait to see you. Until next time, be blessed. Bye-bye.